Well, I just returned from Mount Airy, North Carolina, where I enjoyed the Mayberry Meetup. It was the 10th annual Mayberry Meetup. It was the first time I had ever attended. And I found myself surrounded by a group of people who are as nerdy about Andy Griffith's show and Mayberry as I am about Star Trek. It was a fascinating experience. I thoroughly enjoyed myself, met a lot of really fun and interesting people, learned that I don't know nearly as much about the Andy Griffith show as a lot of people do, and never will. But all in all, it was a good time. Still, it got me thinking, is there some connections between the Andy Griffith show and Star Trek? Could my passion and their passion somehow have some intersections. Well, I dug into it, and I found out some really interesting things. So don't go away. In this episode of The Eclectic Monk, Sheriff Taylor meets Captain Kirk. Stand by before we beam down. So the Andy Griffith Show ran from 1960 through 1968. There were 249 episodes in eight seasons, and it consistently ranked in the top 10 for its time slot for all eight seasons, was actually ranked number one in its last season, the 1968 season, even though that was one of the hated color seasons, of which there were three. Now, Everybody loves the Andy Griffith Show. If, you, if you've never seen it, you, you need to watch at least some of it. Uh, for me, it's a childhood memory. I remember sitting at my grandmother's house, watching it on her old black and white television, which didn't matter because most of the episodes were in black and white. Yes, I'm that old. But anyway, I mean, it's, it's got some classics. It's got, you know, Barney in the choir. Uh, it's got the very famous Pickle episode, which you must watch. It's got my favorite episode, really, which was uh, season one, episode two, an episode called The Manhunt. It's got my very favorite Andy Griffith line of all time, where he says, it's right disheartening to be 10-4'd right in the middle of a good idea by one of the uh, state policemen who are looking for the fugitive. Check out The Andy Griffith Show if you've never watched it. Like I said, we were in Mount Airy, North Carolina, which was where Andy Griffith grew up. Uh, his parents were actually from a little farm community called Mayberry, Virginia, which is about 30 miles north, just over the state line. And his dad moved to Mount Airy to work in one of the furniture factories there, and that's where Andy Griffith was born and raised and went to school. Uh, and he actually became quite famous uh, for stage acting. Uh, he had a, a stand-up performance. I first hit the, the public's eye with a, a stand-up routine called, and what it was was football, which is hilarious, and you should listen to that. Uh, then he got into Broadway. He was in No Time for Sergeants, a very successful Broadway run. Made his first film, A Face in the Crowd, where he plays a very angry and bitter man. Uh, then No Time for Sergeants was made into a movie. It's very funny. I suggest that you watch that. And so by 1960, he is a very famous, well-established 
actor, musician, and stand-up comedian. He'd done it all. And Danny Thomas offers him his own television show, and Andy Griffith actually developed the show. And he names the town Mayberry, uh, but it's kind of patterned after Mount Airy. And so Mount Airy has kind of rebranded itself as the real Mayberry, but the folks that we met who live in the real Mayberry uh, take issue with that. But that, that's a different podcast altogether. Anyway, um, so that's the Andy Griffith Show. And like I said, it ran from 60 to 68. Um, and one of the things that's important is that it was filmed and produced by Desilu on the Desilu studio and backlot. Desilu, of course, was the studio that was owned by Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. And they were, uh, you know, it was a, a well-known and a thriving production company. Danny Thomas was part of that as well. In fact, the hidden pilot of the Andy Griffith show is a episode of the Danny Thomas show, Danny Meets Andy. And uh, I've never seen that, but I think it'd be worth checking out. Anyway, Desilu Studios. Uh, they had the uh, Culver City 40-acre backlot, which is the uh, Main Street exteriors, and that's where Mayberry on film was. Mayberry, uh, Andy Griffith's show, was not filmed on a real location. It was filmed in the studio and on the backlot, Culver City, 40-acre backlot by Desilu. Fast forward to 1966, and this science fiction show called Star Trek also gets picked up by Desilu Studios. That's right. Desilu produced Star Trek. Lucille Ball loved Star Trek. And so they're on the same soundstage. Star Trek goes into production uh, the 66, 67, and then it, it died in 69. It was canceled after 79 episodes, uh, uh, two-thirds of the way through the third season. So it was actually canceled in 69. But for 1966 to 67 and 67 to 68, they are being produced side by side with the Andy Griffith show on the same sound stages using the same back lots. And that's our first point of intersection with Star Trek and the Andy Griffith show. But it gets better than that. Because we also find that because they're using the same backlot exteriors, when you see Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy and Mr. Spock beam down to some main street facade, they're actually beaming down into Mayberry. That's right, Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock walked around the streets of Mayberry. And I know for a fact that they did it at least twice probably more times than that, but uh, in my research, which was exactly eight minutes long on the internet, I found two episodes where they definitely were there from the second season. That would have been the 67, 68 season, the final season of the Andy Griffith show and the second season of Star Trek. Now, some of the episodes I believe probably were filmed, I know they would have been filmed on that same back lot. They would have been filmed uh, but maybe not the same streets that Mayberry was being filmed at, maybe different angles and different perspectives, different lighting and all those things. But the episode Patterns of Force has a lot of exteriors. Uh, 
a piece of the action has a lot of exteriors. Return of the Archons has a lot of exteriors. And so if you look at any of those episodes, you're likely to find some Mayberry in there. But there are two that for sure have Mayberry references. And I'll get to those in just a second. Are you aging? Of course you are. Do your feet hurt? Do your ankles swell? Do your knees pop? Do your backs hurt? Does your neck occasionally feel like someone stabbed you with an ice pick? You need a pill! The pharmacology experts at Astral Fossica have a pill for you. We screwed you. This once-a-day medication is guaranteed to make you feel different. So don't delay. Make an appointment with your doctor or pharmacist today and ask them if we screwed you right for you. I'm betting it is. Side effects include intestinal bloating, loss of vision, loss of hearing, loss of taste, loss of memory, loss of sensation in your extremities, pain in the extremities, erupting blisters on your extremities, painful urination, acetic regurgitation, uncontrollable flatulence, bleeding from the ears, eyes, nose, and genitals, painful rectal itching, anal seepage, inflammation in every joint, sensitive nipples, reduced lung capacity, excruciating nerve pain in unpredictable places, vomiting, diarrhea, excessive snot production, boils, depression, and a total collapse of all internal organs that leads to death. You need a pill. We've got a pill. We screwed you, and it's FDA approved. Don't be a pansy. Take the pill. Astrofarsica assumes no liability for this product. Take only as directed. Well, as I said, I did a little research on the internet, and I have actual video evidence of Star Trek being shot on the same locations as the Andy Griffith show was being shot. Star Trek definitely walked the streets of Mayberry. Captain Kirk and his gang were there. For at least two episodes, and they're both first season episodes, so these would have been uh, 66, 67. So the the eighth episode that was aired was an episode called Miri. And that episode, of course, uh, the cast comes down, and there's nothing but kids around. Turns out the kids are very old. There was this uh, biological weapon that was released, killed all the adults, kept the young people young. But as they get puberty, they, they get sick and die. Dr. McCoy's dying, everybody's dying, and but he finally, you know, saves they, of course. But there's a, all these exterior shots of this dystopian Mayberry, and it's really interesting. If you look at that, uh, you're going to see Walker's Drugstore. You're going to see uh, the Mayberry Hotel is there. The courthouse where Andy works, where Andy and Barney are, where the jail is. The courthouse exterior is there. All of the buildings are much taller then you see them in the Andy Griffith show. They were shot, again, from that forced perspective to make you think they're all one-story buildings. In fact, the sets themselves are like three-story buildings, and so it looks a bit different. Uh, there's a big exterior scene where the streets are going on. Uh, you can see the theater. You can see the church in the background. It is definitely the exact same plot, the same courthouse square that the Andy Griffith show was shot on. The episode is Miri. 
and it's season one, episode eight. And the one that I felt in my heart would be certainly shot on the same scene is uh, the episode number 28, the season one, episode 28. It's called The City on the Edge of Forever, which is regarded by most Star Trek fans to be the very best episode of the original series, and I think of the series of all time. There's never been better Star Trek than The City on the Edge of Forever. It stars, uh, uh, well, what's her name? I can't believe I just lost her name. I'm going to have to redo this because I'm, who was Edith, who played Edith Keeler? Joan Collins. Joan Collins plays Edith Keeler. Maybe I can edit that out. Maybe I'll leave it in so you can know how weak I am at this. Anyway, so Joan Collins uh, falls in love with Captain Kirk. They end up going back in time for the Guardian of Forever. Uh, Dr. McCoy obviously has gone back in time. He's done something to change history, and so the reality that the Enterprise is in disappears. Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock have to go back. They have to keep Dr. McCoy from doing something. Uh, It's full of pathos, and in the midst of this, Captain Kirk falls in love with Edith Keeler. And as they are walking around the streets, that's supposed to be New York City, I believe, um, they do a couple of things. And, and these, you can get these on the internet. Just go in and click in to Google Star Trek in Mayberry. It's going to come up. And the first thing you're going to see is Captain Kirk and Edith Keeler walking past Floyd's Barbershop. I was blown away when I saw it. I knew it was true, and I couldn't believe it. They also walked past um, Foley's Market, and uh, there's a picture of them standing right in front of Foley's Market with all of the meat prices, and they didn't even change it. They didn't have to redo anything. It's the Mayberry window dressings that they're walking past. Uh, There's also several street scenes, again, where you can see the courthouse. You can see uh, some back alleys. You can see the stairways that are used on the Andy Griffith Show. It is all right there in the city on the edge of forever. So if you're a big Mayberry fan and you want to see your Mayberry on Star Trek, if you watch Miri and you watch City on the Edge of Forever, those two episodes, you are definitely going to see the same Main Street exteriors that were used in both shows. So there's your intersection. Andy Taylor did meet James D. Kirk Sort of. Um, And we have another very interesting intersection between Star Trek and the Andy Griffith Show. And I'll share that with you in another minute. Don't go away. They came from a shadowy world that is shrouded in mystery. They came in the dark of night. A mindless hungry horde. They came with only one goal. Eat and survive. Don't miss the most terrifying cinema experience of the decade. Zombie headhunters from Planet X. No matter what you have done, you are not prepared. The Dimension International Picture Release Story, The Truth Hunter, 
abandoned decon and a starving swarm of alien undead. Zombie headhunters from Planet X. You have been warned. So 1968 comes, the Andy Griffith show goes off the air, and Andy Griffith finds himself unemployed, and in many ways unemployable, because he is typecast as Sheriff Andy Taylor. He played it for eight years, everybody knows him, everybody loves him, everybody expects him to be the affable, friendly, down-to-earth, dad, sheriff, friend, father figure that America loved. In 1969, Star Trek is canceled, and Bill Shatner finds himself out of work and just about unemployable. He had been on this show that did not do well. Star Trek never rated well with the Nielsen ratings. Uh, they got bounced around from time slot to time slot. Finally put on Friday nights at 10 p.m., which was the death of Star Trek. Um, and it wouldn't be until they reappeared in syndication that the network suddenly realized they had a gold mine and they just didn't know it. But 1969, Bill Shatner and Andy Griffith are both unemployed and they're struggling to work. In 1969, Shatner's first marriage falls apart. By 1972, Andy Griffith's first marriage falls apart and uh, they are just desperately looking for any kind of work that they can get and they're not getting much. Then, in 1974, ABC comes calling. Now, for those of you who are younger, you don't under, really understand what it was like back in the day. Television was three networks. You had three channels, and they controlled everything that you saw. If it wasn't on ABC, NBC, or CBS, it wasn't there. PBS was kind of beginning to happen by the mid-70s. UHF, the local stations, here in Atlanta we had Channel 17, Man, it was just playing all kind of horrible old movies and goofy sitcoms that nobody even knew about then. So the networks controlled everything. And they used to have on ABC the, uh, the movie of the week. They had these made-for-TV movies. And generally, they were pretty wacky things, right? Low budget and usually had people that you hardly recognized. But... January 23rd of 1974, they aired what was considered the movie made-for-TV event of the year. It was a movie called Pray for the Wildcats, and it starred Andy Griffith, Bill Shatner, Robert Reed, who played the dad on The Brady Bunch, and Andy Dickinson, Angie Dickinson, uh, from Police Woman. And uh, it was this... It was this really interesting movie. And the good news is you can watch it. I found it on YouTube and actually watched it uh, just so I could talk about it. And it's not a terrible movie. What it is, is Andy Griffith especially shattering the typecast. He plays this villainous, out-of-control, wild man who, you know, is chasing girls, getting drunk, and, and attacking people and, and ends up killing a couple of people. 
all on this motorcycle ride through the Baja Desert. Meanwhile, Shatner is playing this kind of mousy uh, executive whose marriage is falling apart. He's lost, losing his job. He's actually contemplating suicide. He, he's a very, very underplayed character. He's not Captain Kirk at all. Andy Griffith is not Andy Taylor at all. They are absolutely shattering the stereotypes that they have been stuck with. And they go out into this desert riding motorcycles and well, let's just say that Captain Kirk wins. Sheriff Taylor loses the showdown. But I'm not going to tell you what happens because you really need to watch this movie and you can. Pray for the Wildcats. Uh, IMDb gives it 6.2 out of 10. So it's not, it is not a terrible made-for-TV movie. I've read several of the reviews. I agree with the people who say, you know, this was actually a pretty good film uh, and it was a pretty good morality play. Uh, Some of the people will say it was so bad it was funny. I can see where they're at with that, but I don't buy it. It is really interesting to see Robert Reed, of course, Mr. Brady, out riding a motorcycle and doing all this stuff during the Brady Bunch run. I believe Brady Bunch was still on the air in 1974, so he's trying to shatter his stereotype as well. And uh, Angie Dickinson, well, her role is important, but, you know, the dialogue's not the best. I'm not going to lie. The action scenes are not the best. But all in all, I actually enjoyed the movie. I was expecting to hate it, but I kind of liked it probably watch it again. So, for sure, in 1974, when they were both down and out, their marriages were on the rocks, and they're struggling to regain their foothold in the acting world, Andy Griffith and Bill Shatner, Andy Taylor and Captain Kirk, actually meet and work together in a made-for-television film, Pray for the Wildcats. And I found that out standing in Mount Airy, North Carolina, in the Andy Griffith Museum, which is really well done. If you ever go up there, you should go to the museum. It is really well done. And there on the wall with all of his movies that he had done, there was this little movie poster of this, and I saw Bill Shatner on it, and I said, oh my goodness, there's my major intersection. I've got to figure this out. And so again... So many times, in so many ways, The Andy Griffith Show, beloved by millions, and Star Trek, the original series, beloved by millions. Probably the two most iconic and popular television shows from the 1960s. You can argue, but I don't think you can argue me out of that. Those are probably the two most iconic. And they intersect, not once, not twice, but three times, and probably more, if you dug into who acted who, who did this. Oh, here's another one. Susan Oliver, who played in uh, The Menagerie and The Cage, the original pilot, The Cage, uh, and then in the two-parter where they reused the footage from The Cage and made The Menagerie in season one because they were desperate and were running out of scripts. Susan Oliver, who played the green girl, you know, she was in an episode of The Andy Griffith Show. So, there's another one. They just keep going. Hey, I love Star Trek. And I like the Andy Griffith show. I cannot tell you where the bus was going that dropped Goober off in episode 110. 
But I can tell you that both of these shows from the 1960s are worth checking out if you don't know them. And now, for those of you who do, it'll be fun to watch at least these two episodes of Star Trek and start looking for all of those glimpses of Mayberry. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. I appreciate you, all nine of you. You still are an inspiration. And so until we meet again, travel well, enjoy the journey, and never doubt that you are loved. See you next time. Scotty, one to beam up. Hey guys, I really do appreciate you listening to the podcast. Hope you'll continue to support me. Uh, Keep tuning in and keep checking out the content that we've got coming your way. A lot of cool stuff in the future. And do me a favor, like this podcast, subscribe to it, and uh, share it on social media and just word of mouth. Help us grow it. The more people we can get hanging out in this community, the better. Right now, I still love all nine of you and appreciate each and every one of you each and every day. Till we meet again, God bless. We'll see you soon.